call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 83 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Richie, and my co-host, Anna Katerna, watch the Amazon streaming series, The Terminal List. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the series right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Peace. Live as fuck and twice as ugly. How are you doing, Andy Ritchie? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very well. Thanks for asking. That's very, uh, it's good of you to ask. Excellent. What has your last week been like? Not too bad. It was the end of the Edinburgh Festival. I went to see, uh, well, I saw a number of enemies of the show, but I saw, I think, every previous guest of the Call of Friend of podcast in the same room, including ah. one whose episode was never released. Ah, so two people? <laughs> Essentially, yes. The only two guests we've had, plus we, the other one who only we got to see. But, uh, I mean, we've got that other guest coming up, right? You did, you nailed him down, right? Sure. Excellent. Uh, yeah. He doesn't know about it, but yeah, definitely. I can't wait to have him on our podcast, man. That's going to well, really... It's definitely, definitely going to happen, because I've it? made so many moves towards it happening and definitely haven't done nothing. Sweet. No. Yeah, There's I a lot of negatives you. in there, but... Very I, few I of them you. were double. And uh, is it true from pictures I can I can see that uh, nobody's picking up the rubbish in Edinburgh? Is that accurate? That's actually finished. There was a two-week strike that is now gone, so the rubbish should be getting picked up. Who but they are going to go back on Naples strike for two weeks. That's exactly who they think they are. They're all Neapolitano. Neapolitan. I think that's, that's what how I was going to say. Yeah, I couldn't think, so I got confused. I, Sorry. I have been, um, as what I was before, I have been, um, once again, De Rodriguez. You know what De Rodriguez is? No. I, I only learned about it recently, because uh, I told my mate about my um, situation, and he said, oh, I'm De Rodriguez at the moment, too, let's let's hang out. So that's when your uh, lady's away, and you're, you you kind of, your life disintegrates a bit. Like he, the is this get, just a? Is this like a typical Spanish phrase? How come I've never heard this? Before? Yeah, I know I had never heard it either, but I, I looked mm. it up. I like it because it's a, uh, and nobody really knows the etymology, but a lot of people know about it. But yeah, I've been going back and forth to Galicia, but then last weekend because they were going to be in transit for the weekend, going back to Madrid, I stayed here for the weekend, and um, I would have thought, oh, I'll lounge around and you know have loads of fun, but I I just got really lonely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, I just, for just the best part by this is only I get to see the visual element of this, which is just the, the like the top third of your body currently yeah, yeah. naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, to be honest, I mean the bottom half is no picnic either. It's not that I'm okay. naked down there, but I'm just I'm wearing like very old sweatpant cutoffs. Like it's it's not a good look. I'll take yeah, your word yeah. for it. So I I basically I I did like loads of housework and then. Um, Spent time on my electric scooter. This is this is one hundred percent electric accurate. scooter. Yeah, I got an electric scooter, um, and I spent many hours of the weekend on my electric Mid-life scooter, crisis. scooting around San Andreas, listening to Game of Thrones audiobooks. Well, I don't know what else to say about that. You're living the life, living the dream. 
It was okay. Yeah, yeah. I am lonely though. I'm looking forward to seeing my family again tomorrow. <laughs> um, surely not lonely riding an electric scooter listening to the, the uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> audiobooks uh, in uh, a far out neighborhood of Barcelona. With, like with 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 flip flops and a straight out of Compton shirt with the with the sleeves ripped off and linen shorts. It wasn't Beautiful. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't good. Um, but sure, you know. Whatever floats what about your boat. watching stuff? Did you get anything watched? I watched some things. Yes, not as much as I would have liked. I actually one more than I had mentioned to you. Um, I watched. Um, I, I, well, it was a rewatch actually. Um, just because I thought I was uh, put throwing something to go to sleep to. So I and I remembered I enjoyed the first bit of uh, the film Extraction. But uh, sure, I ended up watching the whole thing. It's a really enjoyable film, actually. That have you seen it? Extraction. That's the one with um, with Thor. Chris Hemsworth. Thor's, yeah, 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 yeah. Thor's in it. And is that one like, directed by or it's produced by the uh, by the Rousseau brothers? Yeah, and um, directed by a guy who was like a one second, of their mates, a second AD on uh, one of the Avengers movie. And this, this he's was, just uh, some guy that was standing around, and they were like, "Hey, you, you, yeah, yeah. Should, you should get a film at Netflix." Exactly. Um, we owe it to him to because he's he's going to get us. They're making a sequel to it as well. Um, Actually, when we get round to the terminal list, I think there's quite a few people in that who were just standing around near Chris Pratt <laughs> at <laughs> yeah, various yeah, yeah. points in their life, and he went. The guy's name fairly Sam agreeable. Hargrave. Sam Hargrave did it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's leave off the terminal list. Yeah, sorry. Till we, till we talk about the terminal list. Let's talk about some things I, I enjoyed. couldn't stop myself. I'm so ah, damn it! I gave something away. So yeah, the uh, extraction has a very good um, stitched together one shot uh, car chase slash foot chase. That's just watching worth watching for that alone. But in general, it's like you know, it's an action movie set in India, kidnapping. Uh, it's yeah, it's fun. I I quite enjoyed it. I ended up actually staying up way too late watching it. Then and that's on Netflix, right? That one. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's on Netflix where the sequel's going to be too. Also during this uh, b- before we got back to podcasting, I watched um, the Rousseau brothers film The Grey Man, which I really recommend to people. I think I thought that was really good too. Uh, just after John Wick has kind of pushed action so much into irony territory, it's good to see people getting it back. I mean, the Mission Impossible films never really left it, and Top Gun really like brought us back to a place with sincere action films. But yeah, that's that's kind of where my bag is at the moment. To be honest, I've had enough of the superhuman shootouts kind of thing, you know. Um, but I rewatched Heat, which was amazing. But I mean, I, how much more can you say about Heat? How many times I, have you seen Heat? I must have seen it at least ten. Oh, I've definitely seen it ten times, and I rewatched <laughs> it this time uh, because I I actually have the book should be arriving to me any day now of Heat Two, which uh, Michael Mann recently wrote. Is that actually a real thing? I've saw yeah, I've seen yeah, people yeah. like referencing that, and I just thought it was a joke. It's set in the eighties beforehand when Val Kilmer's character meets um meets Neil McCauley in in Folsom and then afterwards where um Chris, whatever his name is, the Val Kilmer character, is working for some Taiwanese gangsters and tries to hatch off a scheme of his own. That's the synopsis. I can't believe I can't remember his surname. That's disappointing. It is kind of disappointing. Um particularly because I mean all right, fuck it. Sure we might as well just say it. Like he is so good and like there are there's there's always one moment that like I truly just I wait for the entire film do you you probably know what I'm talking about when Val Kilmer starts shooting outside the bank without a second's yeah. hesitation I think that's just just amazing and with, without, <laughs> without going back to the terminal list we almost got that 
We all oh, we very nearly got that in in one of the episodes of that. We did, yes. Um, not, unfortunately, not to the same uh, standard. No, 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 nowhere near it. And oh, like then there's the other great one where, of course, uh, Vincent Hanna um, shoots the guy who used to beat his wife, Mike from Saving Private Ryan. Help me out here. It's late. My tip Sizemore, Tom Sizemore. God damn it! Oh, he shoots Tom Sizemore. Yeah, yeah, yeah he shoots Tom Sizemore when he picks up a kid. That's a great. But really, yeah, the one yeah, that yeah. that kind of took my breath away this time was right at the end. Just sorry, guys. Spoilers for Heat. Just w- <laughs> just when um, v- Vincent shoots Neil and uh, the mm-hmm. whole p- the, basically the plane, the, the lights night, are coming on. <laughs> yeah, night turns into day, and there's this there's gasoline in the air, and there's just this beautiful zoom in to uh, Al Pacino's face, and he he um, shoots De Niro like three or four times, and they and hold- then you get that nice Moby song. Yeah, while well, they hold yeah hands. yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they hold hands at the end, and uh, oh, it's just, it's some movie, like, it, it, that, that must be up there in the uh, master and commander genre of uh, movies <laughs> that alienate uh, women, isn't it? It's movies got to that be. every man has seen ten times. I would quite like to watch that again right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, there's never a time I'll say no to it. Like, yeah. you know, every single scene, I mean, there's, but one scene I noticed that is, sorry, just complete horseshit this time around. The spare driver just happens to be the cook in that restaurant. <laughs> Dennis, uh, Dennis Haysbert. Yeah, yeah, president that's right. from Twenty Four, legend. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is fun to see him push his boss over. Wayne, uh, yeah. Wayne, Wayne Grove. Grove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, anyway. I got some moves I can make. Uh, yeah, yeah. Terrific film. Um, absolutely. Uh, we are not back and forthing it this time, so I'll just say. No, the you final... just do all yours. Yeah, fire away. Yeah, I'll just say the final thing that inspired me to get back into Game of Thrones, and then I'll talk a little Game of Thrones. So I watched the first two episodes of House of the Dragon. Uh, I'll probably talk about them again at a later stage. Um, but before, I, like, I even talk about them at all, I don't know where you stand in the Game of Thrones series. Um, I, I, I th- I'm a one hundred percent on the popular movement of it was good and then it when the books ran out it started to get bad and then the last season was so awful that the entire thing has kind of been sullied and tarnished and maybe this house of the dragon thing will bring it back it seems to be that people are quite positive on it but my god game of thrones was great until it was awful well the thing is is like i mean i read the books before the series came out and i don't know have you read the books but they are you know i haven't read any books ever Next level. They're so bloody good. And I, you know, I've I've got a place in my heart for fantasy always, but these books are, I don't know, they're special. I always sort of felt they had been, and I never quite got attached to the series in the same way. And because it kind of feels like, I suppose, the series makes it seem like everything is plotted and Machiavellian, but you get so deep into the characters' heads in the books that everything almost seems more inevitable. Uh, and like the only character, like everybody's destiny is colliding and the only real destiny that matters is eventually, even though they haven't gotten near there in the books yet, you can already, like it's eventually it's the destiny of Daenerys versus the White Walkers and all these wars and failures of other houses will bring it to that point to make that collision happen. And everything else is just like the hubris of Ned Stark is one thing, the humor, like everybody, so just fantastic. But the thing is then, watching House of the Dragon, I have no previous attachments at all. 
I, the, he released that history book a few years ago. Uh, Fire is that and what blood. it is? It's, it, it isn't based on like a narrative thing. No, it's based on a history book he made of the Targaryen family um, from 200 years before the events of uh, the show. And um, yeah, so I have no attachment to it. It's got Matt Smith being a baddie and uh, in a in a bizarre move. Um, you, you cunt, being the king. Paddy Considine. Paddy, Paddy Considine um, is, the, is the king. And, and it, uh, yeah, it just it really worked for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, p- some people have been a bit miffed on it. But I, like, as I said, despite the fact that I watched the show up until... Um, up until they departed from the books, and I thought, and I, yeah, I'm not being a total hipster, to be fair, I would agree, still, even though I didn't quite connect with it like the books, let me, I would say that this, all the series of the show that came from books are completely five-star stuff, like, it's just, it's the most lived-in, realistic, beautiful fantasy world ever created, but still, you know, the, the books have a more of a depth to me, but... With this, I just had nothing to attach me to it. And then how much I enjoyed that specifically is what put me scooting around San Andreo listening to <laughs> Game of Thrones on audiobook, which is a, a way I've never taken it in. I must have read the whole series at least three times, but this is the first time on oh audiobook. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you what. No, no, no. Here's an oh, my God for you. I started this on Saturday morning. I'm three quarters of the way through, right? This means that I have listened to... <laughs> I have listened to... Since Saturday morning, a whopping sixteen hours of audiobook. <laughs> this, this is this is the difference between you and uh, James Reese. Is this is when your wife and child are not there, you ride around listening to uh, the audiobook of uh, the whole uh, was it a song of ice and fire. Well, no, only the first, I'm only, I'm not even finished the first book yet, but uh, I'm about three quarters of the way through, and I'm loving it. What have you been watching? Well, I haven't been riding around on any uh, electric scooters of late, unfortunately, but I did. I started uh, a new TV series, which is uh, produced and stars uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, and that's Welcome to Wrexham. Oh, right. Is that finally out? It is. It's out. They've released the first two episodes. By the time this podcast is out, they'll have released episode three and four. They print out two a week. Oh, is it everything I hoped it would be? That depends. I mean, have you watched um, Sunderland Till I Die? Which was on Netflix. No, you t- you watched it though. You told me it was good. I watched it, and then off of the strength of that, went and actually went to Sunderland and watched a match. Jesus. And and hung around the pubs and like pretended uh, I was like a Sunderland fan. When this was like three years ago, I didn't actually pretend I was a Sunderland fan. I just observed more like you know. You, you, like you were, so, so you weren't like being like the guy in the film ID. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt any accents, but yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. What's just, the name I'm of the team in ID? Is it, is it Shedwall Town? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Go on something, anyway. Something definitely not real, but there's obviously Millwall. Um, yeah, yeah. So like Sunderland Till I Die is excellent. That's definitely worth watching. That's two seasons uh, following the fortunes of Sunderland getting shit on again and again and again, which is quite funny in and nice. of itself. But apparently that was what inspired Rob McElhenney. He was watching that during the pandemic and knew nothing about football. So he decided he was like, hey, I should buy a football team. I've got lots of money. But then realized that uh, it was going to take more money than he had. So he got Ryan Reynolds on board for Movie Star Cash. This is all explained in the first episode of the show. Uh, basically, they managed to get hold of Wrexham. Wrexham are like the oldest club in the English league or something like that, or the third oldest club or something. Uh, even though they're Welsh, well, they should they should have at least one superlative attached to them. If you know, sure, 
Yeah. Sure. Che- cheapest and shittest, even. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it'll be interesting to see where it's going, but it's just, I think one of the things that's quite weird about it is they, they took over during COVID, so they didn't even start at the start of a season. They still had like three months left. And so in like one of the early episodes, obviously these are uh, things that happened like over a year ago, but like the players and staff, these, you know, rich Hollywood guys have come in and bought a club and the players and staff have like two or three months to save their jobs. (laughs) And it's covered in like about 20 minutes of an episode where unfortunately, spoiler alert, they didn't save their jobs because they were rubbish. Um, So they they sacked them all? Yeah. I mean, they sacked the manager and like a bunch of people got their contracts paid up. They're in like the fifth or sixth, I think they're in the fifth tier of football. Yeah, they're just below League Two. They're in like the top like conference league, basically. So, like you know, they're at such a low level of football that God, they're to, like, to uh, hire and fire people costs almost nothing. They're like uh, Roman Ab- uh, Abramovich, but they're able to improv. That's it. And, you know, they do a lot of that. Yes, like, and. To be fair. Like, yeah, there's a lot of yes anding and funny shenanigans, as you might expect, but. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, this this is the thing. If you pay any attention to football, you already know, you know, what's happened with Wrexham. If you don't, then that's fine. Then no worries. I I think it's, I think it's worth watching, but like, there's so many of these like fly on the wall type series about running a football club. I'd say Sunderland Till I Die is by far the best one because it captures some insane moments that happened over the course of two seasons. And they're actually filming a third season of that right now. Which I think will be super interesting because already crazy things have happened to Sunderland. But that's enough football. You can find uh, Welcome to Wrexham. I think it might be on Disney Plus. Even I think it's. A Is Hulu it better than Ted Lasso? It's uh, it's in the same vein. You can see that that's like a slight. You can see that that's something that they've maybe thought about or has influenced them a little bit. Because mm. one of the guys that they so like Humphrey Kerr, who's an English stand-up comedian who was writing on Mythic Quest, um, they got him across to basically be uh rob's eyes and ears so like they've just sent this you know like so humphrey kerr who's like posh english guy um is just turns up at wrexham and is like you know like hello i am a representative of rob McElhenney. where is wrexham like he's a knob um it's in northeast wales so like not that far away from chester like liverpool and stuff i don't know i've never been i assume so yes you would hope so it'd be rude not to all right. So yeah, that's I, I'll finish it definitely, but it didn't really capture my attention. As I say, there's better options out there, but I did make it to the cinema, oh, and good. I watched uh, I watched Jordan Peele's third film. Nope, I'm going to see it uh, on Saturday, uh, Friday night, I believe. So tell me, did you enjoy it? I'm I a- enjoyed anticipa- it. Go on. It's quite hard to talk about without giving any spoilers. Are you uh, are you at all aware of what it's about in any major like sense? Like a UFO floating over a horse farm. That is pretty much the entirety of the film, is a UFO floating over a horse farm. You've got Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Kiki, Kiki Par- Par- Parker, I think her name is, who play brother and sister. And there's a lot of kind of Hollywood history all involved in it about they're a black family that owns this horse ranch that whose horses have always been used for Hollywood production. So it's got like a kind of LA Hollywood type thing, but with like mm. a bit of like black family, black history. Um, tied in together but then it branches out into this ufo story but um it's quite different i think at its best it's almost like spielbergian it's fun it can be mm. really fun at, t- at its best it, it's almost like jaws 
and at its worst, it's just a bit of a it's a bit of a muddled mess. I think one of the things I, I enjoyed it the overall. Letter. I enjoyed it overall, but I think like I think Jordan Peele might have fallen into a trap where he won an Oscar for his first script, and then his second film was like you're you know us. I remember seeing yeah. that in the cinema and going like, yeah, okay. I thought I mean, us was great. Um, but like I the think thing it was is great, but I thought it was interesting. I th- for. Uh, I thought both of his first uh, two films were great, to be honest, but I didn't buy into the racial subtext that people were leaning on at all for either film. Like, they used elements of what's in the public consciousness, and I'm sure he was serious about it and everything, but it just didn't hit me in those ways. I thought, I be- like, Get Out, basically, I thought was, and I, I mean to throw no shade at the film, genuinely, I love it, but it's kind of like an exploitation film. Like, it's using something that's in the public consciousness to create horror, to great effect. Like, that moment at the end with the police sirens and everything and his friend getting yeah. out, absolutely fantastic. I thought, basically, us, like, if you take us seriously in any... Like, it's a ridiculous film. It's completely insane. There's a bunch of, basically, like, mentally Mirror deranged ver- versions of everybody living underground mimicking our actions. It's nuts. But there's some great moments of horror in that film like when they look out the the, uh, the the door of their house at night and there's the replica family standing at the <laughs> gate that, i'm still i'm getting chills just thinking about that shot that's terrifying um, i think us i think us side's best and this spoilers for us here here's the spoiler mm. but like the little girl switches places with the mirror version little girl and that's yes. kind of the big the big reveal of that that's I would say that's that film at its best, which is what Jordan Peele took into his Twilight Zone remake. Again, I assume I haven't watched the episodes of mm. that, but he's about he he's into that sort of Twilight Zone kind of little switches, and you get that in Nope as well, just in terms of the nature of the UFO. Without saying anything more about that, no spoilers. But I mean, I think that's him at his best. But I think the trap that he's fallen into is just that who's going to question him at this point? He's like, I'm an Oscar, or at least yeah, like, yeah, 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 totally. Hollywood has sort of accepted him as he's an Oscar-winning writer. Uh, this film, this film has also made money as well. Like it cost about sixty and made about one hundred and fifty. So he's not uh, making huge, huge profits, but still making enough money that he can justify doing whatever he wants. I heard him in an interview saying that um, what is it? Daniel Kaluuya is my Robert De Niro, and I, <laughs> that kind of made me think, easy cowboy. Because, like I said, I do think like. And again, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm throwing shade at, at Get Out, but I do think Get Out basically caught a wave that made loads of fucking idiots go, yeah, like, you know, the, like, you know the way people sounded when The Handmaid's Tale first came out? And they were like, yeah, that is exactly how it is in, y- y- that is real. And it's like, well, maybe that's real in Iran, but no, it's clearly an exaggeration of reality. And it was the same with Get Out. Though there was a whole load of showboating about it, and it's like, no, it's basically utilizing something that's in the public consciousness to create a horror movie, you numbskull um and uh yeah like i mean i for, for what it's worth i do think he's really good at that but like that said if that's the way he's going i you've saw, seen one film that he's produced that sounds god awful uh, Candyman. Uh, yeah remake of a classic uh, he, he also wrote Candyman. he wrote the he wrote the script for that yeah yeah and uh, like the details you told me about that just sounded just incredibly woeful uh, particularly yeah, considering how, misstep, how f- i would say I would th- like I I think the first Candyman is nearly flawless. Um, yeah. It's, but I saw another film he produced, which is genuinely one of the worst films I've ever seen in the cinema. It's called Antebellum. Oh, um, yeah. 
starring Janelle Monet. So, like, yeah, I wouldn't go naming your uh, De Niro's just yet. I mean, that said, I am very interested to see this film. Enemy of the Show, John Spillane thought it was great. Uh, let's see how I get on. But the thing is, I've seen so many five-star reviews and just two, one or two three-star reviews around this place that that automatically makes me suspicious, considering his track record leading up to this. Do you follow me? I think three three out of five is probably about right. Mm. I mean, I, like I said, at its best, it is very entertaining. Yeah, and he like, has he's he's cap he definitely captures something. But just overall, it just it ends up a bit muddled. And that's all you watch this week. That's all I watched this week. Yeah, do you know uh, well, why? I did watch one other thing. Yeah, yeah. Do I know the other reason why? Sure, because I watched eight hours of the Terminal List. Uh, and that's so- my fault. That's my fault. <laughs> I was 100%. It was me. And I, I'll just, there's got this little quote here from uh, Ollie Richards in Empire who said, if you enjoyed Jack Ryan and Reacher, this is the show the algorithm would say you should watch next. Ignore it. Yeah, that's about right, isn't it? This is a series which is 40% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 5.5, Metacritic score 40 out of 100, and yet the IMDb user score is 8.0, and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 95% positive. Yes, so it goes to show that those old... People are idiots. Yeah, kind of, kind of. That was the old defense that um, Joe Rogan would have used to defend uh, Chappelle's more controversial specials. It turns out maybe that it is a bit skewed. Because actually I watched Chappelle's last special and I didn't think it was very good. Interestingly enough, I read the book for this. Well, I read like two-thirds of the book and I very rarely abandon books. This book is bad. It's boring. Um, There's too much about the mechanics of guns. The writing of the book, the the writing and the the depiction of characters from either side of the divide, it, the way they're depicted in the show and in the book is exactly the same. So you're either grassroots blue collar Navy SEAL or you're a highfalutin guy. Like there's one line I can't remember when it is when it, one guy who meets the end, the guy who gets the fake heroin um, overdose. He's walking into a room. <laughs> That's about five people, isn't it? How many people get a fake heroin overdose? There's at least there's a couple. Well, but yeah, there's only one. There's only one that's planted. Is that that's the character that Sean Gunn plays? Yes, when he's he's uh, walking he's into a room. He's called Saul Agnon. That's that fella. Yes, <laughs> when he's he's walking into a room, and uh, I think his intro line is, uh, "I'm telling you, it's the greatest sushi you've ever had in your life." It's just, <laughs> it's just very very poor writing. Like anything, <clears throat> like he, anything that's to do with the seals and guitar playing and good old boys. Oh man, the guitar. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I was just... so concerned the first in the in the first episode when Chris Pratt is playing the guitar. He's talking to his daughter playing the guitar, and this is his first little dream. And then he looks down, and the guitar's a gun. I like alarm bells are going ding 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 ding. Oh, I was very concerned at that point. Right. So before we do our little uh, bitch fest, because I'm I'm willing to give it a kicking, but also to give it tips. I'll just oh, quick- same. I'll just quickly uh, run through the plot because it will be very quick. Uh, basically, um, yeah, so this is based on Jack Carr's book, The Terminalist. Jack Carr, of course, himself was a real Navy SEAL. Uh, I ended up ordering the book and reading two-thirds of it on the strength of seeing him on the Joe Rogan podcast. That's the last time I take a book recommendation from Joe fucking Rogan. Um, anyway, this is basically like Jocko Willink, the series, in a way. Um, it's just very, like, and I don't really have so much of a problem with that or that type of book. I like that type of book, as a matter of fact. 
but this just I don't know they they don't come at it from the right angle they just don't so basically this fella is in Syria loses all his team comes back figures something fishy was up next thing his wife and child get murdered there's your first misstep um <laughs> yeah there's no way back from that is there no, there just isn't. Well, I mean, they're they're like actually there could be if the if the, if the tone was different or the cinematography yeah. even. But anyway, uh, and then he basically creates a list on the back of a drawing that his daughter did the a terminal the, list, the terminal say. list, um, and basically it turns out corporate America and their Secretary of Defense uh, are all sec, in a, sec def as I like to call her. Yes, they're they're all in collusion. Uh, they're all in collusion with Onnit, apparently. Uh, That's to, right. Yeah, yeah. Alpha to make, <laughs> to make nootropics. Alpha, alpha brain is, yeah, uh, is doing some real damage here. To suppress PTSD uh, in seals, um, and then yeah, so James Reese, played by Chris Pratt. Um, goes on the hunt and eventually kind of gets his vengeance in a series that's far too long, far too post-faced, shot for some reason impossibly dark, even when they're outside. Did you notice that? Well, I never had a problem with that, because I was watching it uh, I was watching it on my Amazon Kindle Fire HD, other, tab- other cheap tablets are <laughs> available, but I did turn the brightness up to full, so... In other things, that might look like some sort of neon hellscape, but yeah, it did, it seemed okay to me. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, that was a, a big sort of an issue for me with this. Let, yeah, and let me say, so we've talked about this on this podcast before. I love this the type of series that can simulate an airport read. Give me your Boshes or your Jack Ryans or your Reachers any day of the week. I'll I'll eat it up. I love it, um, and. There's a quote from Lee Child, um, the author of the Jack Reacher books, where he says something like, um, I've, been, I've been writing long enough, I think I could probably do what Martin Amos does, but I'm pretty sure he could not do what I do. And, like, that's, I, that's the deception about books like that. People might look down on them, but it isn't easy. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it all the time. These are blockbuster books that hook people in, and they really, really make it work. Now, the sales of the Terminal List have not like lit the world on fire, but there's a lot of Navy SEALs and Joe Rogan listeners out there that I'm sure helped out with it. But the test of the metal really comes with something like this, where it just doesn't cut the mustard in so many ways. Like, if they had changed the tone from completely po-faced, and the, then maybe the casting of Chris Pratt would have worked. Yeah. That, um, he was one of the biggest problems. Like oh, it, I, I, it didn't I started work going back and one. thinking, and this, but this is his project because yep. where right. uh, he did uh, Zero Dark Thirty, and he was in, he made friends with some Navy SEAL who then introduced him to like Jack Carr's book and some early publishing. So Pratt was always going to be doing this. Uh, he, this is like his his baby. It's his project, and so many. So as I mentioned earlier, so many of the cast members are just like people who are like. His friends, he cast his brother-in-law as one of the other soldiers, old uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger. So, like, I mean, it's just, it's, Pratt is, seems horribly miscast. I think... Do you know who would have been great in the lead role? I was thinking, like, uh, here's one. Here, and I, I don't know if this would completely change. This would elevate the entire thing, but Joaquin Phoenix, that would be my choice. Oh, really? I mean, for, yeah. th- for this because sort of... Because of the, like, you know... You were never really here. If you want, like, if you're gonna make something, yeah, I know what you're saying. R- like relentless and bleak, do it properly. 
But the get thing someone is, who can do relentless and bleak. They try to have their cake and eat it in this really yes. strange way. Um, yeah. Like they try to be light at times, and it's like, guys, sorry, no. <laughs> like you put all your chips on the table here. I think Taylor Kish would have actually been better in the league. Yeah. I think he's great. I generally, I, I'm a fan of his. I wish he got more work. I think I think he's he's doing better nowadays. I mean, he was in that Waco thing about four years ago or whatever. Which was good because he. I, have, I didn't Shannon. watch it, but he looks exactly like Dave. Uh, Dave yeah. Kesh. Is that what he's called? Koresh. David Dave Koresh. Koresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, and there's so much that's sort of wrong with with this. Like, wait, what, I mean, just, just go on. Who would have thought? Like, okay, if you look at this, uh, a TV series starring starring Chris Pratt, Taylor Kitsch, and uh, Jai Jai Courtney. If you told me that Chris Pratt was the least charismatic, least likable of those three characters, I'd say that's mental. Yeah, yeah. Jai Courtney is the uh, is the only one who seems to know what the show is. <laughs> yes, he's actually read the script. He's having fun, kind of like he's a big fun yeah, baddie. He's a fun, fun baddie. Yeah, 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 a yeah. Baddie. Like he's such a dick. Um, and actually, the, like there's there's one or two scenes. Here's a scene that completely plays by the numbers. You know where that guy says, "Yeah, you know, congrats." What, like, you know, I I know I gave you a hard time, but we made a lot of money or whatever. And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> then he leaves, and this shady fellow comes in and goes, "We're pretty sure he was." He accessed the yeah, he accessed yeah, yeah, yeah. the network, which is is exactly what you're expecting to happen. And you know what? In shows like this, I want exactly what I'm expecting to happen. But I want it with charisma and sort of grace and lightheartedness and fun. Like, here's I'll throw a bold statement out there in jack reacher you don't care about any of the characters because you don't need to they're cartoons they're they're fun you know you know what's going to happen i think they like they try to get your emotions here and you're just kind of like yeah well for me personally i had a reaction two big reactions against it one was they're trying to get me emotionally and i'm like nah yeah i do not care about reese's wife sorry sorry riley keogh yeah, but I don't, I don't well, care about so Reese's wife and child. Like for, yeah, for no, people they're that paper were so, thin. All oh, of those characters are painfully, paper thin. Painfully yeah. bad. The journalist as well. It's just... Yeah. Like like I said, Jai Courtney is the only one who kind of accepts that he's paper thin and, and has fun with it. Like he's, <laughs> Because you know, that's he's, his life. That's who Jai Courtney is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper and thin he, baddie. He's good at it. I mean, look at the first Jack Reacher movie. He he does exactly yeah. what he says on the tin in that and, he, and, well, and well for him. Whereas... Like you know, they're they're and like you know what they try to have a they try to have a a Rambo First Blood thing in it. Um, they they have the Rambo First Blood episode, uh, but the thing is again, but yeah, the, do, do you know what they they think they're doing Rambo One, but actually they're doing Rambo Five. That's they the might be, yeah yeah they are they're they're doing Rambo Five a bit, but also they've got none of the tongue in cheek that Rambo has. And the, yeah, so the that was one thing that they were trying to get me emotionally and they couldn't. The second one and this is a big one, is it's very boring. Like, it's very boring. I, I, f- I struggled my way through it. It's I was just t- thinking it's about... It's very tough to concentrate on, like... I was, I was just thinking about, like, it, it also has no faith in, in the audience whatsoever. In the sixth episode, I only know it's episode six because, like, I made a specific note of it. Hmm. When um, Reese is, like, he's out in the sort of countryside wherever the hell he is, he's off the, like, Mm. PCH somewhere just got he's gave he's been tailed he's been followed by uh, Leun the, the FBI agent and the yeah. FBI guy so after he's shot him and he's running away the FBI guy picks up his pills 
like off the ground and you're like, oh, okay. as a viewer, you're like, okay, so Pratt yeah. hasn't got his, his pain pills for his brain tumor. And then in the next scene, you've got, you've got Chris Pratt going around going, where are my pills, man? Where are my pills? <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, wow, no. you really have no faith in the audience being able to pick that up. Just you visual storytelling, completely fine. Would yeah. have been fine. Uh, the, t- the, t- <laughs> there was one line that I wrote down that I thought was very funny, um, which is, just <laughs> it's just I'm a Navy SEAL talking to you, uh, <laughs> which is a uh, don't use WhatsApp. WhatsApp, it's compromised. Yeah. Has been for years. <laughs> also, <laughs> but also, also that that whole scene, he's talking to the uh, the journalist Constance yes. uh, Constance Wu's character, and he's telling her like, you know, you don't take your phone anywhere. Put your phone inside the this little faraday cage bag mm. blah 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 do this do that and she's like you you seem you're isn't this aren't you being a bit too cautious his family has literally just been murdered <laughs> and she's yeah, accusing yeah, yeah, yeah. him of being too cautious it's like yeah. come on i mean it even just show even like the slightest bit of respect for a man who might be experiencing you know loss there were a few tips that i uh, i figured for it along the way one was I thought this would kind of be more interesting as sort of a Unabomber origin story. Like, if we actually got the, to watch the transformation of him into, like, you know, an, a relentless psychopath that actually needed yeah. to be put down, a la Rambo in First Blood, um, you know, that might have worked a little bit better for me. The, uh, the only t- the mom- moments that I thought were actually decent were, were, were like moments where that was happening in episode five. Mm. Um, that's the one with the, the Rambo sort of, episode. The, that's the one with the big shootout. Mm. The oh yeah, of, yeah yeah that like was the good. street san francisco shootout but that was good at the, he has a moment in that where like he tells constance Wu to fuck off and then he eventually like sets off the bomb and she gets blown you know yeah, yeah, onto yeah. her back you know uh <laughs> jai courtney gets like half of his face blown off and then you know she's completely fine without a scratch but still, like I think when he was becoming a bad guy, when he did things selfishly for his own reasons, yeah, yeah. it was more interesting. And you, and you got the sense that he was going to turn into like a Yuya Kunt character. Mm. Like that would have been good. Like that would have been the payoff. Like those were the points where I was like, "Wow, this might actually be good." And and to just go, to go back to bad storytelling or like a bad narrative device in the first two episodes, you're not sure what's real or not, and you're yeah. like, "Ooh, is this?" And then they just ditch that. Like, he's clearly suffering from PTSD. He's got a brain tumor, and you're like, oh, is he? Is this happening or not? And then within, like, the second episode, they're like, no, no, it's fine. It is all happening, so don't worry right. about that stuff. But we're going to continue to show you that over the next seven episodes. Isn't it such a crock of shit as well that every... Like, anybody who's in bureaucracy is a bastard, and anybody who's, like, served or serving is just... The, the, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> like, there's a, you know that part where, yeah, so Jai Courtney gets half his, like, face blown off, and the uh, the the FBI or whoever they were who come in to save him, they say, um, they say, posing time's over now, or something like that to him, like, as in, because he's a bit of a poser. I think, it's, I, I think it's one of those Talos operatives, because, yeah, his character's yeah. got, he's got all the, like, Navy SEAL tattoos. Yeah, but yeah, But he yeah. says earlier, he's like, no, I'm just a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're Still like, yeah, posing times over. And, and then also, up. all the guys who are like hunting for Reese, none of them, they, like they don't, like, because here's the thing. 
even if you're doing that, like having seals after Reese, the way to make it work in the nice, predictable way that we all like is to have maybe one seal on the team that like is like I don't know about this mission guys and everybody else just being like oh fucking kill this motherfucker you know what I mean there's nobody who wants to nail him at all <laughs> they're all hesitant which is kind of like just horseshit as well then as conspiracy like you know you know when he kills Jai Courtney in, in episode 5 so he shoots him on these steps like were you not thinking three more episodes <laughs> yeah then I was like okay you need to get the admiral you're going to get the other one. And then, of course, there's still two more to go. And the final reveal of the final baddie is oh, so yeah. obvious because there's no more characters left. Everyone else is dead or we don't know their names. Like, who else could be the baddie? I was sitting there going like, there's no one else that could be, the ba- be a baddie. And they're like, yeah, this guy who owns this shell company, he definitely works for the agency. And we're like, well, I've been introduced to one CIA agent so far, so I wonder who it's going to be. It's just, it's all very shoddy storytelling, isn't it? It's I'm a, a, so. like and bad filmmaking. The music choices at the wrong time. They use "War Pigs" by Black Sabbath in the oddest. <laughs> it's not even like they're like you Masters of War as well when he's like assassinating yeah, yeah, yeah. a guy. It's some weird stuff. You know what? I didn't. I didn't hate that scene. The uh, sniper and the guy in the car scene. And the guy, um, you're, you're a fan. Uh, yeah, but I also like. <laughs> there's just some silly stuff in there as well. Like when the guy's going out to his car and he's taking selfies of himself, and you're like, "Oh yeah, he's a dickhead because he's taking selfies. He's a dickhead." <laughs> Navy SEALs don't take selfies, don't you know? Uh, yeah. This has not, uh, this like has been very popular. It's gotten a lot of people who've watched it, but it hasn't been renewed for a second series yet. Ah, really? Cause mm. I, but I've heard that they were going to. I mean, I've seen that around. That they were going to. Or I just heard, yeah, like I've seen bits and pieces suggesting. Oh, I, I Googled, when I Googled the uh, terminal list, mm. I looked at some of the top questions and the first top question is, is the terminal list a true story? <laughs> And uh, apparently, no, it's not actually a true story, which is hard to believe. Have you ever seen? Um, have you ever seen the Mark Wahlberg movie Shooter? I started watching it, um, but I gave up. Me this, too. I, I got a real strong sense of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I, I stopped watching. Do you know when I stopped watching it? I am um, when, and plus, I wasn't doing a podcast, when, when so I wasn't Wahlberg obliged to back then. Came on no, the screen. So, so no, they have the opening mission, and then it cuts to him living in the mountains with his dog. Yes, and he pulls yeah, out a computer and goes, trailer. "Let's see what lies they're printing this week." And it's like, oh, he's the <laughs> he's the Navy SEAL who actually knows what's up with all these lies the government are telling you. Yeah. Um, and then he's on road. He's he's listening to Rogan, and he's like, "Hey, this yeah. Jack Carr looks <laughs> totally. like a good author. I'm going to yeah, order yeah. his book. I'm going to order this he's book." He's telling it how it really is. But like when you compare this with something, and now I'm about to slam down a holy grail here, but there are elements. I'm not not even talking about elements with the opinions of the writer. I'm talking about highfalutin, crazy plotting that, if you think about it too much, probably doesn't make sense. If you think about something like Line of Duty and how much better they make it work <laughs> than this by just, like, not being po-faced, even th- despite the subject matters and the high body count in Line of Duty, Line of Duty is fun! You know what I mean? It's all so fun. Uh, like great, like great lines and shocks and shit like that. They're going for none of this. No high anti. That, so yeah, this was one thing that I would have said is that 
first of all, do the do this in four episodes for sure, guys. I don't know yeah. what you're thinking. And there was decent bits of action. I would have liked a lot more because I didn't care about any of the characters. But I think mm-hmm. it would have been possible to make you care about the characters. Like, I don't know why we had, to, like, he had so many different buddies along the way, personally. There was no need to, like... What about... I do, I've just... This has just occurred to me now, right? In the mm. final episode, he gets a boat, which is yeah. provided by, like, one of his buddies from... Yeah, 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 one that's of, right. One of, his, one of his tours. And you're like, what? That, we were never introduced to that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, no idea who that was. Or the lady pilot who's just able to fly lady in and out pilot. of... He saved uh, her when she was, when they were in... Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I know, I know. I remember the flashback. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just shit. Like it's just shit storytelling. Yeah, because she's like, I'm from Alabama. Roll Tide. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah. In that's the middle of a firefight. Yeah. Oh God, damn it! That was terrible. Is that your team? Is that the team you like? That that compound raid in Mexico was an all right bit of action. That was actually oh yeah. Okay. Here, you here. You think you might know my question here? Do we need to see a guy's intestines pulled out <laughs> and have him tied? That's from up? the book. I, I remember. I that. don't care. I don't yeah, know if I, I know, need yeah, to yeah. see that. No, 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 no. I, but like, I'm I'm sure that was one of the scenes from the book that they committed to. But that is in the book. Uh, the reason I'm saying that's in the book is it's uh, like uh, either are like <laughs> I don't know. It's I just like, I'm, I'm just saying again, like, as an kinda, audience it, member, do I need to see it? It's it's bad writing again. Is what I'm saying because it's the kind of like, <laughs> and I'm sure like, yeah maybe Jack and then Harris, he takes out Jim, his intestines and he ties he, them up. Yeah, totally awesome. Takes out the intestine. It sounds Forces like a fucking a twelve-year-old boy would have written. <laughs> um, to be honest, not a Navy SEAL. I mean, maybe he saw things like this. Whatever. Yeah, I didn't need to see it either. It was completely ridiculous. It was ridiculous in the book. I'm pretty sure it was the point of the book. I stopped um, reading actually. Um, but that was a decent bit of action. That compound rate. I'll say that. Um, so yeah, I would have squished it down to four episodes. I would have put more focus on like detective work cleverness which is what you get a buzz out and st- there's none of that here he just dumbasses his he, way from he also situation like to situation. immediately he immediately knows how to do everything and it's not really you know like he can find information immediately he's got guys who can just get information they could just yeah, get yeah. everything they're like yeah we just got it like yeah, I, yeah. he plugs people's phones and computers directly he just puts like a usb cable and immediately yeah, yeah. transfers the entire contents of everyone's. And like, it's the same drives. with it's the same with Constant Wu. What like she gets yeah. her, she, like do you remember when she gives the nurse like a few hundred dollars? What the fuck was that? <laughs> that was that was. What is it? It's nineteen eighty five. You can oh, just go God, and give someone like a few hundred, uh, you know, a hundred dollars. But like a Does nurse as well, it just doesn't make work. It look like. A bit better? Uh, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, I would have put it to be like, like of course I've mentioned this, already, but like less decisively philosophical about everything. Do you know what I mean? Less of a worldview. I don't need a worldview with this shit personally, and like less po-faced, more fun. Pratt was the wrong choice. Um, if, yeah, like this just if it fell very very flat. I wish, it, but like, you know, the main bummer of it was, the main bummer is, this is by far, by far, the longest thing I have ever watched that I wasn't enjoying from moment one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's I'm really, okay, I'm it sorry happens. About that. I mean, it, it, I guess it's been super successful. Yeah. People love it. Critics don't, but they're wrong. Yeah, I mean. The public decides. Would you not like to just grab these people by the shoulder, slap them in the face, and say, "Watch Jack Ryan and Jack Reacher"? Those are that, or well, I and guess Bosch. they did. They just ran out. Yeah, and Bosch as well. 
I can't remember if I mentioned on here that I watched season two of Bosch. I don't know if I did or not. I'm going to keep going. I just keep firing through, but I'm taking breaks. Bosch but is great, isn't it? Any season of Bosch, I'm assuming, I'm, of the two I've seen so far, they both shit all over this. Oh, but it, it's like that. But Bosch is everything that I named just there, apart from the length. But Bosch is yeah. good at the length. Um, Bosch does the opposite. Bosch is not pole faced. It's fun. Yeah. Like yeah. he, like Titus Wolliver, like as serious as he is in it, he's having fun with that role because a sure. character, a character like that is ridiculous. Like he's a ridiculous character. The other cops are are silly. They like his partner. Like you know, the, I don't know. Like you know, there's higher uppers who are like fucking boss. You're a dickhead. And he's like, yeah, but I get it done. You know, what I mean, it's so fun. Um, I think that's that's the problem. The the main problem here, and it's a problem that can maybe be. I guess it's displaced at the door of uh of of uh jack carr is if you kill the wife and daughter in the first episodes that's it like what you've you've done like mm. how is chris pratt gonna be being all all fun star lord or whatever from that point forwards it's gonna be so relentlessly dark and it is i mean it I mean, maybe not as dark as some other things we've watched, but they just they can't carry it they can't handle it because because they refuse to commit to the level of darkness that it should be. They yeah. try to redeem him. He has a happy ending. He kills his friend. His friend, okay, who gave him up, gave up his team, gave a reasonably good excuse, but also got paid. But then went through the whole thing. Went on a compound, multiple compound raids yeah, yeah. with him. Put his life at risk. Shot tons of guys. Did Overwatch for him might have at least balanced the books a little bit <laughs> compared to this guy who's got like probably think, a terminal brain so tumor. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was this guy who's well. who's sailed away in this boat from the coast of Peru and looks at the map and goes, hmm, Mozambique, why not? That seems like a good choice. Yeah. I wonder will they, like, I mean, because presumably these notes are everywhere to be seen. I've I've read Jack Carr saying, yeah, we made this for the fans, not for the critics. And it's like, yeah, like, you wouldn't have gotten an erection if you'd gotten 80% off the critics too, fuckface. But, mm. like, um, like, I wonder will they take any notes on board? I haven't read the second book. I'm not going to. But, like, I can't imagine it's any less po-faced. Um, well, I given, wonder, the Jack, given that Jack Carr is a former U.S. Navy SEAL, I just want to say, if you do ever listen to this, I actually like your work, and I think you're great. <laughs> and, and thank I, you for your service. Please, dis- yeah, thank you for your service. Please disregard everything else I said. I would like to thank you for your service, uh, Jack, Thank you for your service, Jack Carr, Jack, yeah. Mr. Uh, uh, Lieutenant nice Commander man. Carr. Do, who do you think, wouldn't it be cool to do a crossover where Jack Reacher is trying to check, track down um, um, uh, Reese and um, basically discovers that, um, you know, he is a Unibomber type character and he just beats him to death with his massive big arms. That's and what Reese I would like is, to say. Reese is like hallucinating people like Chris Kyle is like appearing to him and... Oh, and he th- and he like he's he's hallucinating that Jack Reacher is actually his father-in-law Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, get old Arnie in there. Yes. Anyway, uh, a big fat um, fuck this shit uh, from the Call Friendo podcast about the terminal <laughs> list. Is that accurate? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to say that there's moments where I didn't mind, but ultimately, you can't. There's no way I could ever recommend to anyone to sit through eight hours of this. As a matter of fact, I think as a favor to anybody, 
uh, even if they didn't bring it up in conversation, if I got an inkling that I started to like the person and thought they were a good person, I might just drop in, by the way, never watch the terminal list. Just don't do it. I might just say I might. That. I think this is going to be my new opening conversational gambit is, uh, what do you think of the terminal list? How many times have you watched the terminal list? I was talking to somebody in my work today and I was just about to shit on something, uh, the Julia and Julia movie. And uh, she was reading this Julia Child's book, this colleague of mine. And uh, I said, oh, you're reading that? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I love it. And I said, have you seen uh, the film? And I'm literally just about to shit on it because it's an amazingly awful film. It's so terrible. And she goes, yeah, I've seen it about five times. I love it so much. I I also produced it. I just backed away from it. Have you seen that film? No, I'm only vaguely aware of what it is. Oh, it's hopelessly terrible. Well... I mean, all this negativity and all the extra watching time taking up, taken up by having to watch The Terminal List makes for a very short episode indeed, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Hey, we're back at it. Next time, we're going to be talking about Parasite and The Handmaiden. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I am really, really looking forward to rewatching Parasite. I'll probably rewatch Memories of Murder anyway and uh, The Handmaiden, which apparently has loads of sexy time. That's what I heard and saw when I flicked through it. Yeah. But, um, are you planning uh, on watching of- the extender or the the regular length one? <sighs> we'll see. I've, we'll I'm, I'm going to go the regular length one um, because yeah, apparently I think, that's the original cut. And right. The, I think the whatever's sort of expect, it, right. Yeah, yeah. Whatever's sort of the best. Whatever's the optimum one. I'll search and have a look. I'll probably just go regular on that. What what what's the next new thing we can do in that case? Well, it's going to be in two weeks' time. Is there anything, are there any big releases on the horizon? I can't think of anything off There's the top something. of my head. There's something that's coming, I'm sure. Let's have a gander. 3,000 Years of Longing is Oh, out, yeah, I think, actually, Miller's I was planning on, on going to see that uh, next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I'll see if yeah. I can get hold of it or not. I think it might be available. Also, oh, John it- Michael McDonough's new film is available, The Forgiven. Yeah, that was, on, that was out here for one day. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's available. I think that's available to stream. Oh, okay. Well, I might give that a blast as well. So, uh, well, we'll we'll pick one of those. It sounds like we yeah. got two two good things. Two things we're talking about for sure. At least two directors uh, we're talking about. Two guys who write and create their own things. Um, apart from that, well, uh, I got nothing. No, I think that's it. We'll be back and uh, with uh, some Korean barbecue and no offensive cinema. accents. Not for me. Okay, um, I am going off to get approximately a million hours sleep. I'm a very tired boy. Um, Well, no, actually, I'm going to have to tidy first. (laughs) This isn't good podcast. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to go and get a far more reasonable number of hours sleep. Okay, um, guys, uh, I love you all, and you too, Andy. Bye. Bye, love you too, bye. Finger on the trigger, finger on the trigger. Passing time is running